It's racing on to this ball here. The angle is there. Oh, what a finish, Jamie McLaren. Still Ellie Carpenter. Oh, what a goal from Melbourne City. It's three. It's Aaron Moy who places it beautifully in the top corner. All the way through for Here's Aloisi for a place in the you World Cup. For us. He's yeah! Australia have done it! On November 16, 2005, the Socceroos, Australia's senior men's national football team, secured their place at the FIFA World Cup Germany 2006, their first appearance at World Football's showpiece tournament in 32 years. Following a ding-dong two-legged tie against Uruguay, the two nations could not be separated after 210 minutes of intense match play. 90 minutes in Montevideo, and 120 minutes at an absolutely rocking Telstra Stadium in Sydney, where over 82,000 believers experienced the night of nights, and millions across the nation shared the moment united in living rooms, pubs, and bars. The tie, perhaps as it was destined to, went all the way to penalties after Mark Bresciano's first half goal in the second leg of the contest cancelled out Dario Rodriguez's strike from the first half of the first leg on South American soil four days prior. My name is Ben O'Neill, and in this edition of the FFA podcast, we'll speak with three men central to arguably the most iconic moment in Australian football history, the Socceroos' truly tense but ultimately spine-tingling shootout success over Uruguay. Over the next 45 minutes, hear accounts from goalkeeper Mark Schwarzer and attacker John Aloisi as they look back at the shootout through their lens. But first to Tony Vidmar, a veteran of four FIFA World Cup qualification campaigns a man etched in Australian football folklore for his contributions in the green and gold, and a player who, when it mattered most, stepped up in the pressure cooker atmosphere to convert the third of Australia's penalties on the night. Come on, Tony. It's Vitmar. Beautiful. beautifully put it on his son. 3-1, Australia in the shootout. Outstanding. closer to the World Cup. He's the hero. Tony Vidmar is the hero tonight. Tony Vidmar, thanks for joining us. Firstly, the full-time whistle sounds following extra time in the second leg. What are your memories of that as the players gathered together with the staff near the bench prior to the shootout? Uh, we, uh, well, look, 120 minutes had just uh, had gone and uh, we felt, or definitely I felt that, um, probably except for the first 15, 20 minutes, that the rest of the game we, we dominated. So we probably had an opportunity to uh, to end the game uh, either in 90 minutes or the extra time but that wasn't to be and and then from there it was I don't know it was a little bit not chaos it was just what was going to happen next we knew it was penalties uh, who was going to take it we, we kind of had an idea of uh, uh, the guys who who put their hands up uh, beforehand uh, but then there was a uh, a curly thrown in there with uh, Bresh and uh, and Hemo not uh, not being involved, uh, not on there. So um, and and I think that's where it started to get a little bit um, uh, interesting because I think uh, uh, Johnny put his hand up straight away. Uh, so I think Arnie was uh, was searching for uh, for one more person, but uh, hadn't uh, hadn't had any luck. Uh, but it was, yeah, look, I could say it was chaos, but probably from their point of view, from Arnie, and, and of course it was, uh, it was a probably, in, they were in control of what was happening. Graham Arnold, when he asked you if you uh, wanted to take a penalty, can you remember what you said to him? 
not exactly. <laughs> not exactly, but it was it was something it was something in the in the way of, of the words of uh, look, um this is this is probably gonna be my could be my last action uh, in in the national team colours. Uh I kinda had a um a a little bit of a, you know, four years ago, just have that little glimpse where we just, uh, we blew it. We uh, we had an, a chance and uh, I felt that I actually wanted to step up and take it rather than being, you know, people saying, oh, whoever took it missed it uh, and, and I didn't want it to be that way. So in a way, probably with Arnie's words, with redemption is probably the way that uh, it, it comes it comes across. But definitely I felt that I wanted to, uh, to take it and uh, be responsible if I scored or, or, or didn't score. You obviously weren't a, a regular penalty taker throughout your career. There's a story online that in your professional career you'd taken two. One was in a pre-season friendly, uh, so the story goes, and one was the day before in match day minus one. Is there truth to that that story? Well, now I'm actually thinking. I actually took two penalties uh, when I was playing um, NPL for Adelaide City. I think it was a cup final or semi-final, and uh, I took up took the penalty and missed it. And then I had to retake it because the keeper moved, and I missed it again. So, <laughs> so I think that's where I uh, took a back step from uh, from taking penalties. But uh, no, the first one, uh, well, the previous one I took was uh, in preseason game for uh, for NAC. So that was in July, and we played uh, against the Wolfsburg in a friendly game. And uh, I think after ninety minutes we drew, and then they wanted the game decided by penalties. So. That's kind of where, and we had a fairly youngish team, so I was probably one of the senior players there, um, and just got to a point where I thought, you know what, what the hell, I'll just take one uh, and and put it in the same corner, took it the same way as uh, as a Uruguay penalty. So not knowing, you know, four months later that we'll be going to penalties, and that's how I was going to take my penalty. So I've been been holding that for for four months. <laughs> Day before the game, it's quite common for teams to practice penalties when they know that it could go to penalties. Uh, story goes again that, that the team did do that on match day minus one, and you took it in the same way. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, Hitting said, uh, "Take it as you would take it." And uh, so again, I kind of went into you know my routine. Well, I've taken it once, so how can it be a routine? Um, <laughs> so put it uh, same way. Step back in the same same position. Walk backwards, still facing the goals. I didn't want to turn my back because I I probably felt that if I turned my back, it probably gave the goalkeeper a little bit of the confidence. I just wanted to uh, make sure he's seeing seeing me front on. Uh, and uh, yeah, in the in the training session, put it in the same same corner. So on the on the match day, it was uh, yeah. It was ready. It was uh, it was meant to be. Uh, and when I did put the ball down, the ball rolled back because there was a little bit of a uh, an incline there. But I think there were already stud marks in there. So I was like, shit, just put the ball, just stay there. So I've actually put the ball again and it moved again. And I'm thinking, oh, shit, what's going on here? So I just you know, pushed a little bit harder down on the ball. So I made sure it, uh, it stayed on the, on the spot uh, and then walked back. Just before the uh, eight in the outbox, and uh, yeah, didn't didn't want to have a look at uh, where I was going to hit it. Just kind of looking straight at the keeper, 
And uh, so if I started looking somewhere, he might have thought that uh, he would have picked the corner. And, and when I took it, it was uh, if he saves it, he saves it. Uh, and uh, it ha- would have had to be a bloody good save for him to uh, to get there. As the ball's rolling back and you're trying to place it, there's only 82,000 people there. I know you'd played in some big in front of some big crowds in old firm derbies and all sorts before, but is there anything that starts to creep in your mind? You start to look around a little bit? No, not at all. It was it was such a such a surreal evening, such a surreal night from you know, keep talking about the um the national anthems and when they had the national anthem and the, all the supporters were all our fans were booing. Uh, and I thought, yeah, this is this is it. This is some there's something gonna happen. There's something big tonight. But who knew 120 minutes later I was going to be stepping up to uh, to take a penalty. Uh, if you asked me before that game or as the game was going to happen, no way I would have taken that, that penalty. It was furthest, furthest from my mind. Um, and, yeah, just uh, I, I felt um, even after 120 minutes, I felt I could have gone another 90 minutes. Just the adrenaline and just the way that the preparation that we had when we flew back was uh, was fantastic, and um, you could see they were uh, they were struggling. Few injuries uh, towards the end of the game, and players coming off. So um, it was uh, you know it, mentally we were we were ready for it, and 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 that penalty as well as I said. So eighty two thousand, um, and yeah, I'd probably do it again. I think I'll be ready to do it again. In the excellent documentary, November 16, by Ben Coon and Richard Bayless, you talk about your brother Aurelio being in the crowd and them um, taking it with your left foot. Um, can you explain like, why you did that? <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. he told me the story after. Actually, actually, a friend of mine who was with him told me the story that uh, as – well, the first thing was as I was walking up there, he's like, what the hell is he going to take a penalty? He's never taken a penalty. <laughs> so this is from someone who took penalties for uh, yeah, for a living. So he's like, oh, shit, what's he doing? Uh, so that's, uh, you know, uh, brotherly love and faith in me. <laughs> so when I've gone up there, it was, yeah, I'm a natural right footer. So I only worked on my left foot as a young kid and uh, – yeah, it's it, it's a it's an interesting one. I felt over that uh, over that distance from a penalty spot that um, I would have more probably more control, more power with my left than my natural right. Um, I felt that my natural right probably didn't have that power over that shorter distance, and I thought that I needed that to have that power. If it was just going to be placed, then I don't think then it would have uh, it would have happened. Uh, so I felt that with the left, it was uh, the right, uh, yeah, the right choice. But uh, I, I think uh, even Hitting was questioning what was happening as well if I was taking it with my left. So uh, not only eighty-two thousand people were probably shitting themselves, but uh, maybe the rest of the country as well. <laughs> the ball makes its way past Fabian Carini. How do you feel? Ah, uh, yeah, delighted, delighted it's gone in. Not not relieved, delighted. Uh, and felt, yep, yeah, we're uh, we're one step away, uh, and uh, yeah, ready to uh, you know ready to uh, to go to a World Cup or to qualify for a World Cup, and uh, um, yeah, it was 
it was a it was a priceless moment, really. Throughout the shootout, you're in such a unique position with ten of your teammates on the halfway line, and you get a really unique perspective compared to anyone else at the, either at the game or you know watching on television. Your view of Mark Schwarzer, because he was huge that night. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I couldn't even think the first save was uh, was huge, uh, and as you said, yeah, yeah, correct that we were we had the great view of it, and kind of in those moments you. You're kind of like a supporter. You're just like on edge. You keep moving. You know, we had our arms around each other and just, yeah, come on, Swartzy, come on, Swartzy, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And then once he saved it, then I think it was just like we're just going crazy in, in, in that uh, in that moment. But still we needed to be focused and control of, uh, um, you know, we had the next penalty or whoever was taking the next penalty. So, um, and I think that was also... That was also said then that yeah, come on, relax, relax, come on, focus, focus. So we're really we're really in the game, in, in, even in, in that penalty uh, penalty shootout. And as you said, that first save was was massive, but the second one was uh, was huge as well. Were you guys aware after he made that second save that it was one more kick and it was you're off to Germany? I think we did. Yeah, yeah, I think we did because uh, yeah, we're. You know, sometimes footballers aren't the brightest, but uh, we could we could do the maths. <laughs> we could do the maths in that. Um, so yeah, and I think when Johnny was walking, where uh, you know we're we're you know arms and arm again. Oh, Johnny, you scored. We're we're going, we're going. So yeah, it just became like even even more on edge, um, and and knowing that uh, the goalkeeper probably had a bit of an idea where Johnny would take him. Um, so you're just thinking, just score, just dive the other way. You know that was, uh, you know, he 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 picked all the wrong ways. Uh, I think I think except for Dukes, I think he picked the right way. With the other three, he uh, he missed. Uh, so it was like an eternity that when Johnny went up to uh, to take it, put the ball down, and 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 take the penalty and score, it felt like a lifetime. Um, but uh, as you see that ball, as again we're we're seeing that ball drifting into that. Left hand, the goalkeeper's left hand corner. You're just thinking it's rising, it's rising. He's not going to get it. And again, it 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 was going in slow motion in in my eyes, but you could just see it rising, and there was no way he was going to get it. Ball hits the back of the net, and it cues uh, hours of delirium. Um, <laughs> the, the the players all chase after John, and 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 to where the families were. Um, that must have been a special moment, looking up and finding your family members and friends in that part of the crowd. Yeah, well, I didn't know well that. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. We've we've been having uh, we we watched the game the other night and then watched the November sixteenth with the uh, with the kids and uh, because they hadn't seen it. Uh, uh, so uh, my wife was in Holland at a school bake sale, so she never got to watch the game. So she was getting text messages from her uh, from her father and messages from friends because they didn't know what was happening. So. Um, it was only after that uh, she realised it. So yeah, so it would have been a difficult one. But uh, yeah, I had no idea where they, uh, where um, Aurelia and uh, my group of friends uh, were. Um, but uh, it was in- it's funny because after the penalty, man, everyone could sprint. I think everyone sprinted 100 metres after 120 minutes of football. Everyone looked uh, looked all right. But uh, yeah, just a huge moment. And uh, yeah. It was uh, massive for for football in the country, but I think also sport. Uh, it uh, definitely is uh, uh, the best sporting moment in Australian uh, in Australian sport. 
Did your wife at least uh, keep you some bakery treats when you got back to Holland? <laughs> I can't even remember. Uh, I remember staying here. I stayed in Australia for a long few days after. I called uh, I called our coach straight after the game. I said, because that was, uh, I think it was a Wednesday night. So we had a game on the Saturday or the Sunday, and I said, I'm not coming back. I'll see you Monday. <laughs> so I don't think bakery uh, bakery treats were on my mind at that stage. It was, uh, yeah, just just got home. I, I think Johnny flew home as well. We just uh, were on the same flight just to get back to Adelaide and uh, uh, enjoy enjoy the uh, the occasion and the moment. Here is Salajeta. Oh, Big great save. save again by it's Schwarzer. Huge save. Wonderful save. It's as big as we've ever seen in Australia. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, it is. It's as big as we've ever seen under pressure. It's the sort of heart that you need to make World Cups. Mark Schwarzer, you are a champion. Mark Schwarzer, thank you for joining us. We just spoke to Tony Vidmar, who said he could sense it in your eyes and your body language that night that you were well and truly up for the big moment of the shootout. Is that how you felt when the final whistle went and you knew that it was going to spot kicks? Well, you've got no other choice, let's be honest. I mean, obviously, you know, you, you know it's at that stage of the game. You know the part that you're hopefully going to play. Um, and uh, if you're not up for a game of that magnitude, I don't think you'll ever be up for a game. So in that sense, it was pretty straightforward. Um, but obviously, you've got all the other elements. It's the pressure. It's the, you know, it's the, it's the moment. Um, and, and, you know, you need a little bit of luck on your side as well. And I had a bit of that as well. So um it was just, it was our time. You'd been involved in big penalty shootouts in FIFA World Cup qualifying in the past, uh, going back to 1993 against Canada. You, helped, you saved two penalties uh, to help the team move on to the next qualifier against Argentina. Did, that, did you draw upon that experience at that moment? Uh, not really, um, because, you know, it happened so long ago. I was like 19 years old, 1993. It was my first ever start for the Socceroos, uh, second appearance. So, you know, you, you really are wet between, uh, behind the ears and it's just, it was such an, a surreal experience, um, that, that particular one. Um, obviously, it was the round before as well, so it didn't kind of have, I mean, there was a big result, of course, getting through to the final stages of qualification, but it wasn't the ultimate goal. Um, but for me as a 19-year-old, it definitely helped launch my career, particularly overseas, um, but if you fast forward then to 2005, very, very different time in your career. Uh, I think I felt definitely a lot more confident, um, a lot more like I'd kind of experienced so much more in my career that I was more prepared for it, I think. During extra time, who's hitting sent Zelko Kalach to warm up and in the excellent documentary that Ben Coonan and Richard Bayless put together November 16, you discussed that a little bit. Um, how did you feel, again, when you saw Zelko warming up? Mate, I, I, was, I was, like, dumbfounded. I, I couldn't believe it. I looked over and I had – I mean, I looked – I double-took about 15 times just to say, is this even for real? Am I, is it, am I really seeing what I'm seeing? And I don't know that, you know, we've seen it. Since then, goalkeepers are replaced for penalty shootouts at World Cup. Uh, the Netherlands did it. Gusenik is the manager did it then. Um, and, and so you know, you know it's possible, um, but you just don't think it's going to happen to you, you know. And, and, and I've always felt that I've had a pretty decent record at uh, saving penalties, so that surprised me even more. And, and uh, 
you know, it was. Uh, I, I'm still thankful to this day for Brett Edmondson for getting cramps and, and having to be substituted. If you had been substituted, do you think that would have affected your um, your international career with the Socceroos? No one knows for certain, but I think it would have been a very difficult one to to, to come back from. You know. I think you know, as goalkeepers particularly, that's what you prepare for. You know, you prepare for moments in your in your in your careers. You prepare for, in games for everything, every scenario. And and as a goalkeeper, you never want to be replaced, no matter what. Um, and that would have been that would have been one of the di- most difficult things to try and recover from. I mean, forget about injuries, forget about drop of form. I think the fact that you feel right, you feel like you're in the right spot. You're you're in the game. You're in the swing of things. You know the emotions. You've got everything in check. And then to have been replaced at that final hurdle, that that would have been, I, I don't know, that would have been a moment I think uh, the devastation would have been so severe. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I would have been able to come back from In the broadcast vision of the match, uh, you know, obviously Emo goes off and you are going to go stand between the sticks and the, the vision shows that hitting came over to you and, and has a little bit of a joke. Can you remember that interaction and what he might have said? Or I, I can't. I actually don't even remember what he said. Um, I, I, it would have been something along the lines of, you know, this is this is what it's about. You know, you, you know, this is why you're in goal. You know, as a goalkeeper, we need you. It would have been something along those lines. I, I don't remember specifically. There wasn't, uh, from what I remember, there wasn't a, a, a sense of uh, a line of, of, you know, unbelievable sort of uh, encouragement or anything like that. Other than I think it was more about, you know, this is what you're there for. This is what the goalkeeper we need you and and, and go out there and do your bit. And what about Tony Franken? You obviously worked with him a lot during your national team career, both before and after the Uruguay game. Um, there's some moments in the broadcast that he's maybe given a little little hint um, to you know the analysis that he'd done of their penalty takers. Um, can you recall any of those interactions and looking with Tony? I think Tony was more nervous than I was. I, I, I think you know Tony. You could see you know it's more difficult when you're not playing. You know, and obviously Tony was a goalkeeper and he knows what it's like to be up there. He's been involved in penalty shootouts himself. So when you're on the other side of the fence, that's really difficult. I, I think everyone, I mean, I get nervous when I watch some, some games. You know, if my son's playing a game, I, I get a little bit of nervous and you feel those butterflies. And I don't think he would have been any different, you know, knowing the magnitude, being there so many times, failed campaigns and it's coming down to this. And, you know, as people say, often it's the lottery of, of a penalty shootout. And there is an element of that. Um, you know, he, again, I don't remember specifically what he said, but again, it would have been the same thing, right? You know, this is, this is again, you know, believe in yourself, go out there, do your thing, and, uh, you know, let's hope we can qualify. It was one of those ones, I think. I, I don't remember specifically what he said. What about the crowd? Because obviously, you know, you say almost 83,000 people there. I remember watching a documentary with Zinedine Zidane and he talks about that, he just hears the, the crowd in the Bernabeu as whispers. He can't really hear them. Did you? Could you really feel them, or was it was it quiet for you? For me, that was one of those surreal moments. It's it's one of those moments where you 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 know people talk about being in the zone, not hearing else, anything else. It's like a it's, it's a background noise as opposed to being in the middle of the cauldron of it. And uh, that's how I felt. There were moments in that game and that penalty shootout where I felt like. I was in a room by myself and, well, one-on-one against the kicker and that was it. No one else was there. And then after the kick is then when it comes back to full volume. Um, So, yeah, it's just I've never had it in my career before. It's a surreal moment. 
and uh, you just are so focused, so determined, um, and uh, it was an incredible experience. You're obviously in the really unique position as well as the goalkeeper in that you're the closest to the Australian penalty takers and the Uruguayan penalty takers as well. But could you sense in the players as they were coming up um, to take their spot kicks, you know, where their heads were at as well? I, I think, you know, it's like like uh, Vidi said, you know, Vidi, everybody was in the zone. Everybody knew the magnitude of it. We'd all been there so often before. We'd all tasted defeat. We, we know what the, the disappointment's like. Um, being on home soil, we didn't want it to happen. You know, we were all at our stage of our career where we knew that this potentially was our last opportunity. So you could just see every one of them, you know, and every one of the penalties, other than Dukes, of course, um, was incredible. You know, it was spot on. You just, you watched them and it was almost like there was never a doubt. Um, and of course, you know, you, you're going to have a time when, you know, one of your teammates maybe does get it wrong and Duke's got it wrong and, and that's the way it is, you know. It's, it's a team game and, and uh, you know, it could have been anyone. Um, but then we made amends and that's what we're there for. We're there to, to bail each other out and we all did it. And yeah, there was a sense of that, that determination and that sense of this is our time, it's got to happen now, it's got to have to happen against Uruguay. All the things that have happened four years earlier on this path, on this journey, what happened again also in the first leg in terms of the reception we received, um, even in the game, in the, ch- in, the, in, the, in the tunnel before we went out, the, 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 the national anthem, everything just built to that particular moment. Um, you know, those penalties, the, the, the five penalties, the, everything. The scene was set, the momentum was in our favour and uh, for once, you know, the, the Uruguayans crumbled, which was brilliant. The moment the ball hits the back of the net and everyone goes chasing after John Aloisi, um, how often do you think about that? Is that just something you every every so often you're driving your car and it just springs to mind? Uh, no, not really. It doesn't. It doesn't in that sense. But what it does do is, particularly when you see something on social media, when you see something on online, um, you know, there's an iconic moment, there's a picture, there's a there's a more so the video footage. Whenever I see the video footage, the, the, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. You get a shiver down your spine almost, and um, you, you you kind of get a little bit emotional. I think the older you get, the longer it goes by, you get emotional about it. And uh, it was it was a moment that I don't think any of us will ever forget. I mean, Johnny still talks about that penalty every day. Every time I talk to him, the first thing he says is, "Remember my penalty." Uh, so you know, we, we laugh about it all the time. We joke with Johnny, you know. And, and to, I have to say. Out of all the penalties, once we got to that stage, I was like, this is going to go in the back of the net. I don't see him missing. You know, and I, 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 you know, with Johnny, I just, I knew how good he was at taking penalties. I've seen him in that season in La Liga. He'd scored at the Benabal. He, he knew what it took to, to score a penalty. And even though he knew the keeper knew where he was going, he just knew when I get it right, no one's going to get anywhere near it. And he was absolutely spot on. What about yourself? How far down the line would you have been to taken one? <laughs> Probably number 11. Stick to your, your bread and butter. And for me, it was about trying to save penalties. And, you know, if anything, I still want, whenever I still see the, the penalty shootout, I kick myself that I didn't save the third one. You know, uh, I, I know I should have saved another one. Uh, I think it was the, the second or the third penalty that went underneath me. Um, I, I should have saved it. So that, that, was, that still kicks me. You know, it still, still lingers in the back of my mind to this day. And Tony Vimar tells a story that uh, actually with John Aloisi, he went back to 
to Adelaide straight after, the, you know, the next day. Obviously, there was a bit of a party with John Travolta and whatnot uh, that night, but he went back to Adelaide and he told his club manager at Nuck Brader at the time that he wasn't coming to play on the weekend. He needed a few days to enjoy it. Do you remember what you did? Yeah, I, I wish I'd done that, you know, I really do. Because, you know, we, unfortunately, you know, there was a 24 hours post the game, I was back on a plane, you know, back to the UK. And, you know, you've got commitments for your club side. Um, and I, ironically, I got back to the UK and because of all the adrenaline, all of the emotion, I actually was unfit to play. I had hurt my shoulder and I didn't even realise. I didn't know until I arrived, you know, literally 24 hours afterwards. I mean, I didn't go out and party after the game. I, I, there was a couple of us. It was me, Lou, Wilkshire, there was a couple of mates. Um, we ended up, you know, Lindsay McNeil, um, uh, Stuart Hodge and I, we all went around the corner to Studebakers of all places in, in Parramatta. And and we we sat there and we 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 had a few we had something to eat we had a few few drinks quietly and just sat there and went is this even possible like did this actually happen was that was that real um, and we and we kind of just sat there and kept nudging each other and kept saying to each other this this actually did happen and the smile on the on the flight home must have been you know must have laid there and really just been very happy. Yeah, listen, you go back because everybody knows. All your teammates know. The whole club knows what you're up to, what you've been doing. And it happened before you go back and there's that disappointment and everyone kind of brushes over it and kind of almost goes, well, uh, you know, Australia in a World Cup, come on. You know, and, and uh, to go back and be able to be, you know, brimming from, from, from ear to ear with a massive big grin and, and to say that, you know, you qualified and, you know, that most of them would all have seen it. You know, like they told me stories, they – they come up after training and, and they actually showed the penalty shootout live on, on, on the TV here. They, they crossed to it. So, so there were a lot of them actually saw the last couple of penalties on, on, the, on the screen in the, in the change rooms and, and, and talked about it and, and how much they cheered as well. So it was, it was nice. It was nice to hear. Tony says a very similar thing that, you know, it, it resonated with his club teammates and it goes to show like when you're in a FIFA window and maybe other teams don't have those important matches on, you know, last couple of places at a World Cup, the focus is there for, and Australia's in the spotlight. Well, that's it. Yeah, I mean, our game was the last, it was for the last place. That was the final place at the World Cup. So all the focus was on that game uh, to see who would join uh, the rest of the teams of the World Cup. So, yeah, it was huge. And, you know, we also knew Germany was the one. Germany was the, the place that you kind of thought, this is going to be one hell of a World Cup. This is just going to be incredible. And to have taken part in it to being there to qualified was just you know I'm just so glad you know I went to South Africa it was great but it wasn't the same and, and forget about forget about you know how the team performed and everything else it was everything about it the atmosphere the location the the type of the type of atmosphere for the fans it was completely different in Germany well, Mark, you go on to play Japan in Kaiserslautern where you also played some club football. We might have to do another episode on that at some point. But uh, very much appreciate your time and thanks for sharing those great memories with us. Pleasure, mate. That if John Aloisi can score this goal, Australia will be there. Are you sure? I'm trying to do my math. 4-2. 4-2. He wins it for us. John. Here's Aloisi for a place in the World Cup. He scores! Australia have got it! Come on! John Aloisi, the Confederations Cup hero, has done it in the biggest game of all. Come on, Australia! 
John, thank you for joining us. Firstly, we've just heard from Tony Vidmar and Mark Schwarzer and talked through some of their memories of the great night that was November 16, 2005. What can you say about those two men and the contributions that they both made against Uruguay, especially in the shootout? Well, we all remember uh, Tony four years earlier walking off the pitch uh, crying, probably thinking that was his last opportunity of making it to a World Cup. And um, I roomed with him. And uh, I remember that night he was uh, was so down and and gutted that um, he didn't know whether he was going to go on. Uh, I think he had thoughts about retiring for the national team. And Luckily for us, he went on and um, it's it's ironic how it works out and uh, we got another opportunity to qualify but against Uruguay again. And, um, and you know, for Tony, I've never seen him take a penalty before. I think maybe the day before the game, uh, I'm sure he did take it because uh, we all had to practice one in front of Gus Hiddink. Um, but I don't think Tony ever took one in a game. <laughs> so when he stepped up, I was... I was um, shocked to say the least and then not only that that he stepped up with his left foot because he's predominantly a right footer but um, played a lot of his footballing on on the left side left full back left sided stopper Um, but what what a penalty what what a calm uh, way of taking it and um, you know it was it was great to see him score. And Mark Schwartz that night absolutely huge with two massive saves and and you know speaking to Mark Prior, he he believes he, he should have made a third, really. Yeah, because one of them went underneath him. Um, that that was probably the easier easiest one of the lot that he uh, he didn't save. But um, it's always hard because when it's it's so close to your body and it goes underneath, you know the keeper's still diving in the air. So he's being a bit harsh on himself. And um, the 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 Zalieta save is uh, is unbelievable because you know you say yeah to at a decent enough height for a keeper, but he had to really stretch for that one and. Um, and, and have a strong hand. So, you know, I was very confident leading up to the penalties. Um, I started to get a little bit nervous when Viduka missed his because, uh, you know, I thought, oh, this is not as going as uh, as planned as we would have liked. Um, but then when Swartzy said uh, that the next one, that I was confident and, uh, and I was so relieved that Swartzy saved it because then it was my opportunity to step up. Obviously, yours was the fifth one, and there's plenty of stories about what was said and, you know, coaches like Graham Arnold asking players, did they want to take one? But you, the story goes that you asked for the fifth one, and why did you ask for the fifth one? Yeah, it's it's funny. I get embarrassed a little bit talking about it because it seems like I was full of myself, but I, I had a feeling for, for a long period. I used to say it so often to my family and um, my wife and uh, my parents, my brother, my sisters, that I was going to score the, the goal that would take Australia to the World Cup. Uh, the reason why I had that belief is because the, the two World Cup campaigns before, I played very little in the deciding games. Um, I had that confidence also from the Confederations Cup where I was scoring uh, for our national team, you know, freely. And uh, and I, I was quite confident that it was going to happen. And um, so leading up to it, I was you know, full of confidence and, and also I would say it as often as possible that they, I even made myself believe it but also others around me. Um, so the day before I were, I remember asking uh, Gary Moretti where our tickets were. Uh, he was our uh, team manager and um, and he showed me where they were and he asked me why and I said, well, I just want to know when I scored the winning goal uh, where to run to, you know, so I could run to our 
our family. And um, so that, that, that was the belief that I had. And then the the next day, yeah, it, it got to penalties. And um, when Graham Arnold came over and asked, you know, who wanted to take a penalty, I was the first one to say yes. And then he said, oh, okay, go number one. I said, no, nah, put me number five. And, and uh, he said, okay. And then I walked off. But it was just... Number five doesn't mean you're necessarily going to take the winning one. You could take the one to keep, you know, Australia in it or your team in it. But um, lucky that uh, it was the one that decided it. It's definitely getting towards the point again if you take the fifth, that's for sure. But um, you talk about Gary Moretti telling you where the, the families were. Who did you have in the crowd and what memories have they shared? Obviously, they see it from a totally different perspective. Yeah, they do. I I wouldn't have wanted to be them, that's for sure, because uh, when you can control uh, what you're doing, it's a lot easier. You don't get so nervous. But um, I had my, my parents there, um, my brother, uh, my sisters were there, my wife and my kids. I had two kids at the time that uh, they don't remember any of it because they were only two and three. But um, they were all there and um, all in that, that area where I stopped. And uh, the, the, the recollection, I asked my, my dad the next day, you know, what he thought about the penalty and, and what, um, what was he going through. And he said that uh, he actually thought I hit it in the other corner. <laughs> until, he remember, well, until he watched it the next day, he, uh, he realised I hit it across my body with my left foot. And, um, yeah, so you can imagine the, just the, the emotion that they would have gone through and, um, and then probably the relief that I scored and that we, we won the game. When you practised the night before, did you put it in the exact same spot? Because um, I've heard stories that a lot of players did the exact same penalties and sort of kept to that um, mindset of keeping it in the same spot. Yeah, we uh, we all first practiced one at the beginning of the training, but we only had one, um, and I hit it that side. But it was down the other end, and then after training, I said to Lucas Neal and Ante Kovic, who was the, the one of the keepers, um, that I want to practice down where I think the supporters are going to be, that the main hardcore supporters are singing, uh, because that's where I thought the penalty shootout would be. So um, I practiced five and all in the same corner. And uh, I remember Lucas asking me why I'm going the same way. And I said, because if if I'm on and it's a penalty shootout, I only get one opportunity. So I want to make sure I, I hit it right. So they all went in that corner and uh, all pretty similar to the one the next day. The goalkeeper for Uruguay was Fabian Carini, who over the course of the two um, two ties, so in 2001 and also 2005, he, I guess, shot to prominence in Australian um, to Australian fans because he was such a, a very good goalkeeper. But Mark Schwartzer said that you know even though he thought that Fabian might know that which way you were going to go, if you hit it well enough and you had that belief to hit it well enough, he wasn't going to get to it. Yeah, and that was my thought process is um, that it, because I played with a couple of the Uruguayan players in uh, Chenga Morales and um, Pablo Garcia, and uh, and uh, you know you, you start to think the day before, not so much on the day of the game. If if I am going, that's my strongest side. If I am going there, they might have told him that uh, where I could be going. But um, I knew if I hit it well enough and I connected it the way I would have liked and the way that I was the day before. Even if he went the right way, he was going to find it very hard to save. So, you know, that, that was what I was saying when I was walking up to the penalty spot was just, you know, do exactly the, uh, the same thing as you did the day before and, and we're going to go to the World Cup. And, uh, and I just kept on repeating that to myself as I was walking forward. And um, so, yeah, when I did hit the ball, 
I was, I knew I'd hit it really well. I struck it well. And as I looked up, I could just see that the net started to move. And, um, but the, the strange thing was there was no noise at that stage because it, it probably the rest of the crowd didn't know it had gone in. So I started to doubt whether it had gone in or not. And, um, and as soon as I heard the roar about a half a second later, I knew that it was in. Obviously, when Mark made his save as well, there's 82,000, 83,000 people in the ground. Um, Mark said it was, for him, quite quiet when he was focused on before before they took the kicks, uh, Zalieta. But for you, was it like a little bit quiet or could you sort of sense everyone around you? It, it's uh, That's a good one that Mark said that because I've never actually heard him say that because I had very similar feeling. And, um, and I don't know why it was quiet because Mark had just saved the penalty, so everyone was excited about that and cheering still. And uh, there's a photo of me just walking away from the group and my head's down and I start to focus on what I had to do and I start walking. And it just, it felt like um, there was only a few people in the stadium. It felt like I could hear just whispers, you know, uh, is this it? Are we going if we score? Um, I, I wouldn't even have known that there was 83,000 people there. That, that's how quiet it was. And, um, and, you know, the walk from the halfway line to the penalty spot, can normally be a long one and and um, but this time it, it just seemed like it went quick and uh, it felt like it was uh, a short distance um, but yeah it definitely when people say they're in the zone I think that was uh, the moment I was in because I couldn't hear anything really. And you achieved a lot throughout your career other than that uh, penalty of course you know goals at the World Cup proper goals at the Confederations Cup in Serie A, La Liga and the Premier League where does that penalty rate for you in terms of your career? Oh, it's definitely uh, up there with uh, a massive highlight. Um, yeah, it, people ask me that the, the two uh, the best moments I had in my career, the two best moments is uh, that Uruguay game and also the Japan game uh, because of the what it meant to everyone. You know, not only what it meant to to be part of it, but what it meant to actually first of all, uh, qualify after so long um, and then the atmosphere of it all and uh, the tension and, and then to, to win it like we did was, you know, it, it, you can't even describe the emotions that went through not only us players but the whole stadium, you know, whoever was watching. Um, and then the Japan game because we hadn't won a game at a World Cup and um, and also to be part of that and to, to score it was it was amazing because it was a dream to, to play in a World Cup and as a striker, score a goal and, um, you know, finally achieve that. And one of the themes that uh, Tony and Mark both expressed was the that of their teammates because they were all back at, at training as a FIFA window um, and when they got back to their clubs, some of the stories they tell about how, how aware that they were of the game. Did you have a similar feeling when you went back to Spain? Yeah, it was incredible. When I went back to Spain, it was... Um, it was one thing is Uruguayans uh, aren't that well liked amongst other South American countries. And in Spain, there was a lot of South Americans, Argentinians, Brazilians. Um, when I walked back into the change room, uh, the first day back at training, I, I, there was a loud cheer, all the players, uh, you know, coming up to me and congratulating me. And, uh, and funny enough, whenever I played, 
um, the opposition team would come up and congratulate me and uh, and what we had achieved, especially the Argentinians. They they loved it. They, they were so excited. I think they were more excited that we beat Uruguay than Australia really qualifying for the World Cup. But, um, yeah, it was uh, – I didn't realise that the, the rest of Europe would be watching, but I think it was on at a really good time for uh, European um, – audiences and and because it was really the only game on um, around the world and I, I'm pretty sure we're the last team to qualify so you know everyone was so interested in in you know who was going to qualify so it was it was a big thing back in Europe. And finally John I'm sure you're reminded of it regularly doing interviews such as this and people in the street saying oh that's John Aloisi he scored to take us to the World Cup but is it something you look back on regularly or you think about or is it perhaps you know you like to leave it a little bit untouched and just have the memory rather than watching back at the vision. Yeah, well, I've seen the vision back so many times because either if I go to an event or, um, you know, if uh, I'm watching uh, football and then they might say that the, the best moment in Australian sporting history or, or something like that. So yeah, I've seen it back quite a few times and it does seem like it's someone else taking it because you watch it so many times. Um but it's not like I reflect on it every day. It's, you know, there's other things going on in, in my life and that I want to f- focus on and uh, in the future as well. But, um, you know, it's hard not to talk about it because, like you said, that uh, people on the street will stop, uh, want to ask about it um, and, and let me know where they were in that moment. And, um, and that's uh, the, probably the best feeling I've had um since I retired because uh, you know you, you play sport because you love it you, you, I played football because there's a passion and and you know it uh, I was fortunate enough and privileged to play uh, for so many years but um you didn't realize how many people that you might have touched or that you could have touched and uh, and you know for people to say well, what they were doing and how excited they were in that moment that that uh, that means a lot It meant a lot to a lot of people. John Aloisi, thanks for your time. Thank you. That was the voice of John Aloisi, the man whose successful spot kick in Sydney on November 16, 2005, ultimately sent the Socceroos to the FIFA World Cup in Germany in 2006. Aloisi would go on to play a key role in Germany, scoring against Japan in Kaiserslautern to scribe his name next to even more history for the national team. If you're keen to relive the shootout and the Uruguay tie, I recommend looking up the documentary November 16 by Ben Coonan and Richard Bayliss. It is a piece of art that does the utmost justice to the contest and celebrates the moment and success through the voices of many of the people involved in and close to the match. Thank you for listening to this edition of the FFA podcast, which will soon take on a fresh, fan-inspired name. We've received many submissions regarding the name of our new podcast and we'll have more news on that in the coming days. Until next time, stay safe and keep connected with Australian football.